Um, my name is Pastor Ryan. I have the privilege of being the Goldsboro Campus Pastor. This is actually my first week here, and I'm excited about that. But before I go any further, I want to take a second, and I want to recognize the pastoral staff uh, who have gone before me and cared for you so well. Can we take a second and just do that? Pastor Farrell, uh, Pastor Andy, Pastor Jeremy, uh, of course, Pastor Jim, and there's so many other people on the bridge staff who have filled in uh, during the recent transition here. And I know they have just led you guys so well, and I'm I'm excited to be taking off where so many capable and awesome hands have let go. Can we just take a second and appreciate them? Come on. Can we just do that? Because everything you see around here, everything that you feel around here culturally um, is largely in part of what they did and are continuing to do. A lot of those guys are still on staff here, the Bridge family. Most of them are. Um, and I'm just, I'm just honored to be a part of uh, the bridge. I'm honored to be a part of the Goldsboro campus. And I'm looking forward to serving with you. I'm looking forward to worshiping with you. I'm looking forward to growing with you. Um, probably most important, looking forward to uh, seeking those who are lost in the Goldsboro area um, and leading them to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I just uh, I need to clarify something before we go any further, that this is my first official week um, in the Bridge Goldsboro as your pastor, and uh, I, I probably, actually, I don't think I ever have started anywhere, and the first thing I talk about is money, okay? So I just need you to understand that that wasn't necessarily my idea. Um, I just kind of came in during this series, but I want to tell you something. I'm not just talking about money, but today I'm owning and I'm sharing with you uh, as we lay a foundation about how to become financially free. Is anybody interested in hearing about that? Because yeah. that's better than just hearing about money, isn't it? We're talking about how we can take the money that we've been entrusted and do something with it in such a way that gets us to a place where we can, like the guy with the painted face, Mel Gibson, freedom. Don't we want to be able to say that one day? It's funny because a lot of people think it's, it's taboo to talk about money in church, um, but actually the Bible uh, doesn't think that. In fact, last week we heard Pastor Andy say that there are over 2,000 scriptures that have to do with money and have to do with resources. That's amazing. Um, it's not taboo with Jesus. Jesus actually, half of his teachings and parables had to do with money, had to do with the subject, or had some reference to it. And if we can just be honest with each other and honest with ourselves, money really isn't a taboo subject with us. It's just uncomfortable sometimes, isn't it? Because we feel like we work really hard for what we think is ours, and then there's just so many other people that want some of it. Our kids. How many of you have kids that just, yeah, you're already raising your hands because you already know where I'm going. And the fact is, is it doesn't change as they get older, does it? How many of you uh, kind of empty nesters, you thought you had an empty nest, and all of a sudden they come flying back to the nest? Yeah, we have some honest people in the room here tonight. Uh, maybe it's your in-laws that uh, don't know you as good, but they think they do, and they think it's polite to ask. From, it just seems like, you know, it's taboo because we're uncomfortable with it, because so many people want what we think is ours. And I've come to realize that wherever your money goes and however it comes in, wherever it goes, when you have a good plan, the uncomfortable feeling goes away. When you have a good plan. Can you imagine for, with me for a moment traveling to Springdale, Utah? And that's right. You don't know where it is, so don't try to think about it. 
Springdale, Utah, but we didn't give you any directions. We didn't give you a map. You weren't allowed to use your GPS. And I just said, you know what? I want you to get on Highway 70 and go, and I want you to make it there. Wouldn't that be uncomfortable? You wouldn't know which way to go. North, south, you wouldn't, east, west. We kind of maybe have a general direction. Maybe some of you would begin looking at the stars or the sun placement. But it would be uncomfortable, and you would be miserable the whole way. Why? Because you don't have a plan. Now, what if I were to give you a GPS and say, listen to Siri's voice, right, and follow the blue line, and all you have to do is sit there, and all of a sudden, you just become free. It's like, okay, I just, I just follow the plan. This is simple. The, the, the trip becomes a little more leisurely. You can enjoy the sights. You can enjoy uh, the other things about the trip, and it's kind of the same with our finances. The reason why we have that anxiety feeling when we start to think about money and where it's going, it may be because we don't have a good plan. Say good plan. Now notice how we said good plan because the fact is, listen, you already have a plan. The question is, is whether it's a good one or not. And that is kind of funny, but it's serious. And the reason why I say that is because if you want to know what your plan is, take a look at your bank statement. That says what your plan is. What you value is where your money goes. Jesus actually said it like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He said, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And so wherever our heart is, that's where our money's going, and that ends up being what our plan is. Here's a fact. How you spend your money tells you how you feel about a few different things. The first one, how you spend your money tells you how you feel about God. Is there a record of, of consistent giving? Is there a record of tithing? How you feel uh, about other people? Is there some type of consistency when it comes to being generous to people that are in need or to people that are around you that are helpless? How you spend your money tells you how you feel about stuff. We all love stuff, don't we? I mean, let's just be honest with it. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. But is there a healthy balance when it comes to spending money on extra stuff? When it comes to green fees or clothes or restaurants and vacations, you fill in the blank, whatever that is. And there's nothing wrong with, with all that stuff. The problem comes is when we don't have a healthy balance and it doesn't fall within the context of a good biblical plan. Is there a healthy balance? The fact is, is that most of us, if not all of us, have money that we need to manage. Last week, we talked about the scripture in Colossians chapter 3. It says, whatever you do, work with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And so there was this, there was this distinction between working way too much and not working at all. And that we were encouraged to find this balance in the middle. And if we, if we really do that and we work in a healthy balance, then we're going to have some money to manage. Why? Because you're going to continue to have a job, <laughs> right? And because we have money to manage, we need a good plan. And so that's what I want to talk about today, largely three reasons that we need a good biblical plan. And throughout the next couple of weeks, we're going to lay a foundation on how to win with our money, how to take it and be financially free with it. And because we know that there's those over 2,000 scriptures in the Word of God, this is important stuff to God. God cares about the way we spend money, and more importantly, in the context of day, He cares if we have a good plan or not. All right? Is that, is that okay? That was two of you. Okay. Is that, before we go any further, is that, is that okay with everybody here today? Okay. Perfect. So here we go. Three reasons why we need a good biblical plan. First and foremost, and this is interesting, it, because it's God's. It's God's, and we're going to give an account of how we manage it. 
bam, talk about needing some steel toe shoes today. You know, sometimes I like to invest in steel toe shoes just because when I speak like this, I can wear them myself because I step on my own shoes as well, right? It's all God's, and we're going to give an account of how we manage it. And before we go any further, you really need to grasp this because if you don't understand this, this foundational concept, then it doesn't matter what kind of plan we have. It's not going to be based in the Bible, and God's not going to honor it. Before we can be good managers of stuff, we got to know whose the stuff is. And the Bible says that it's God's. In Psalm chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, it's very clear. It says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And I just want to stop there. I want to read that part again because we, we really got to grasp that. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. So not only is everything his, but every person is too. And that may seem like really heavy for some of us, but at the same time, that, that should be kind of a, a stress relief, knowing that it's all God's and he's in control of it. And when we release it and let him be in control of it and use us to manage it, then there's a, a freeing management process that happens in there. And we begin to win with things, and we begin to win with the people that are closest to us in our lives. Verse 2 says this, here's the reason why it's all his, because he founded it on the seas and he established it on the waters. John echoed the same thing in the New Testament. Uh, in John chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, through him, everybody say him. Him, he's talking about Jesus right here. All things were made, and without him, nothing that was made has been made. So can we all agree that everything we have and every person that's around us, they're all God's. It's God's stuff. It's all his, and what you have and what I have simply is what's been given to me and you to manage. Does that make sense? Romans chapter 14, verse 12, uh, tells us this. It says, every one of us is going to give an account of himself to God. So it's all God's, and we're going to give an account for how we manage it. There was a story I read one time of a, of a woman who had just finished shopping, and she, this is an, an older woman, she returned to her car, and there's four guys in her car. And she had a pistol, a 44 Magnum, which if you don't know what that is, it's a pretty big gun. And she pulls it out, and she aims it right at the car and says, Get out of my car! I know how to use this. They didn't wait for a second invitation. They got out, and they took off. And she gets in her car. She put her gun away. She puts her bags in, and she's so flustered. She's trying to get the keys in the ignition, and for the life of her, she cannot get the keys in there. And she realizes after a second or two that it wasn't her car. <laughs> And so she looks around. She sees if the men are still there. They're, they're long gone by this point. She gets out four spaces down. She finds her car. She gets in it, and she goes right to the police department, and she turns herself in. And the guy behind the desk just busts out laughing. He points down the counter where there's four guys reporting a carjacking <laughs> by a lady with a really big gun. No charges were filed. But the point is, is she thought that it was her car but it really belonged to somebody else. And the truth is, is that God owns everything. He owns that lady's car. He owns the one that she mistakenly got into. And he owns everything that we call ours. Everything. And just like this lady, sometimes we will fight for something that we think is ours. And I think sometimes we get the wrong idea about what's really ours. We tend to be very possessive over our money and over our finances. And yet the Bible clearly says, as we just read in that scripture in Psalms, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 
everything in it. So the first thing that, that we need to understand, uh, the first reason why we need a biblically-based plan is because it's all God's, and we're going to give an account for how we manage it. Uh, the second reason we need a plan is because our plan is part of our commitment to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And sometimes we make the mistake of separating the two. And we think that following Jesus is about coming to a church service just like this. This is part of it, but obviously it's not the whole thing, right? Sometimes we, we mistake our, our following and our commitment to Jesus as just coming here. Just Maybe we start to give a little bit of, of offerings or our time. But the Bible is clear that God is not going to settle for second in your life. He wants to be first in every single part. And if you're serious about being a fully devoted follower of Christ, then this, 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 this includes a plan of the most important thing in your life, one of them, and that's your finances. Part of following Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 and, and 33 says that the people who don't know God keep trying to get these things, all this stuff in life. It says, and your Father in heaven knows you need them. Right? The thing you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what God wants. Then all these other things will be given to you. But we, th- we get that backwards sometimes, don't we? We want to like, really shore up our financial plan, leave God completely out of it, and then once we get it to a place we're happy with it, maybe invite God into the mix. And what God's saying is, look, I already know your needs. The, the Bible says he already knows our, our needs before we ask them. He says, so instead, seek me, seek my kingdom, seek my truth. It's all mine anyway, and you'll find out that I'm going to give you everything you need and a lot of what you want in the process. Do you believe that? Those are Jesus' words. So our plan for our finances is not separate from growing and knowing God. It's part of it. The second, or excuse me, the third reason why we need uh, a financial plan when it comes to being biblical biblical is that financial planning comes before leadership. Financial planning comes before leadership. And this is a concept that we already understand, whether we know it or not. My oldest son had a job on a farm this past summer, and he made some good money for a 13-year-old, and I was pretty impressed with him, and I was wanting to teach him how to save. I thought, you know, that's a good uh, parental thing to do for your kids, right? Teach them how to save money. And so he already had a little savings account, so we got his check, and we went to the bank, and we taught him how to fill out the deposit slip. And right at the bottom down there, there's a little part that says, less cash received. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? That's the part where you fill in what you're going to keep out of your check, stick in your pocket. Well, like half of his check he wrote on there. And, and I was like, buddy, I was like, why do you need that much money? And, you know, he's, he's kind of getting a little bit older. He's 13. He's like, well, you know, I might need it. I said, for what? I said, Unless you're planning on taking me out to eat when this is over, you don't need that. I said, you need to put it back in the bank. And let's just say there's a reason why I was there to supervise him, and his plan doesn't quite exist yet. So guess what? You're probably not surprised that I don't put him in charge of our family budget, right? Why? Because when you have a plan that comes before leadership, and it's really a simple concept, Jesus takes it a step further and says this, if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, Who's going to trust you with the true riches of heaven? That's what he says in Luke 16. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who is going to trust you with the true riches of heaven? He says he wants to bless you with true riches of heaven. You know what that is? Yes, it's, it's, it's stuff, but even more so than that, I, it, it is the, the source in which it comes, and that's people. Do you know why people are the true riches of heaven? That's because people have a soul. 
Money is going to stay here whenever you're gone. It's not, it's not going to go into eternity with you. Let me just talk about this just a second. He's, he's saying, I want to trust you with something that, that, that is static, like money. It, it doesn't have a soul. It's not going to move. If you put it on the table, it's not going to get up and walk away, right? It does what you tell it to do. It's, it's simple. It's static. It doesn't change. You, you have a plan. You work the plan, and you can predict the results. Um, I heard somebody say one time that uh, money was, was tainted money. There was a big pastor um, who had a really large church. There was a man in the community who had uh, an immoral business, let's say, and he was going to donate a lot to the church. And, and somebody said, Pastor, you can't take that money. That money's tainted. And he said, you're right. It is tainted. It taint enough, right? And he said... Money doesn't have a soul with it. It doesn't carry any type of feeling. So when God says, I want to I give you this amount of money and you manage it, he says, be faithful with that. It doesn't change. If, if, if you can't even manage something static, something that doesn't change, how are you going to be trusted with something as dynamic and changing as people? He, he wants you to be, to be a good manager of what he gives you because he wants to bless you with people in your life. And there's a couple reasons for that. One... God will bless your socks off in this life if you follow him. And he's going to use people to do that. How many of you have been blessed by God through someone? And hands are going up all over the place. God wants to trust you with money, but he also wants to trust you even more with people. Let's be good managers of what he gives us that's static, that doesn't change, right? Can I get an amen? Ultimately, it's people that God made heaven for. That's really amazing. That's the true riches of heaven. Because souls are going to go into heaven, and he wants to use you to influence people that way. That's amazing to me. But whether you're a Christian or not, you're accountable for how you handle your money. Whether you're a fully devoted follower of Christ or you're casual in your faith, whether you're a leader behind the scenes or whether you're a servant, uh, it doesn't matter. Financial planning is a part of every single one of our lives, and we have to be good stewards of it. Now, I want to take the last few minutes that we have, and I want to talk to you about a simple plan that we can all follow. I don't want you to get nervous. I'm not going to you know, put a, a financial straitjacket on you. Um, but this is a plan that is something that financial counselors, Christian financial counselors, talk about all the time, and it's called 10-10-80. Can we say that together? 10 10 80. One more time for good measure. 10, 10, 80. It's simple to say, simple to remember. I want you to picture in your mind right now your paycheck. For some of you, you might be happy with that number. For some of you, you may not. For some of you, you may be aspiring for, for greater things. But whatever it is, I want you to imagine it. And what we do with 10, 10, 80 is we divide it into three categories, okay? And what those categories are, um, the first 10%, the first 10 of that is something that goes to God. And I'm just going to tell you that this is foundational for God blessing you. This first 10% is foundational for God blessing you. And we're going to talk about that. There's a verse that comes from Malachi chapter 3, and this is what it says. It says, bring the whole tithe. The tithe, the word there literally means tenth. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Say test me. This is God saying this now. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, if you'll notice, they're, they're using a farming illustration. Back in ancient Israel, in this culture, farming was something they did to stay alive. It was what they did. So they would have totally grasped this, content, this, this context. 
the storehouse was something that when they farmed, they put their resources into, and that's where they got fed from, okay? So when it says bring the tithe, the whole tithe, which means the tenth, people ask me all the time, can I tithe 2% or, or 5%? Well, you can give 2%, you can give 5%, but the tithe means the tenth. And he says, bring all of it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is where they got fed from. Today, it's where do you get fed spiritually from? You get fed from the local church, right? Offerings are something different. People ask me, well, can I give my tithe to, you know, Joel Olstein or, or other places like that? Great ministries all over the place to give to that are doing great things for God. But God says the tithe comes to the storehouse, Okay. So he's saying, bring it into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What does that mean? That means that there may be provision in my house. Some people ask me, why does the church need money? You'd be surprised whenever I tell people what it takes to keep the lights on so we can, we can have lights and when we, so we can flush toilets and so we can, we can do all the things that we do. And that's before any ministry happens. It, it takes dollars, uh, equates to dollars to keep ministries going. Did you know that? Can we just be honest for a minute? And so he says, bring it into the storehouse that there may be provision in my house. And then God says this, I want you to test me in it. This is the only place in scripture that God says, I want you to test me. And I think one of the main reasons he does it is because we get so uncomfortable about money, especially when it comes to church stuff. And, and we kind of hold back because we think there's, there's weird motives happening. But God says, you know what? This is something that I want you to do because I want you to be faithful to me. And I want you to let go of some of that control that you think you have. And I want you to test me in this. Notice how it doesn't say a certain pastor says test me, but you're, God says it. And these aren't my words. This isn't Pastor Jim's words. This is God's word. And he says, I want you to test me in it so that when you do, I want you to watch me. And I want you to watch. See if I don't bless you so much that you, you can't even hold everything I give you. you. You're just so, you have to be generous because it's overflowing. And you begin to give to other people. And other people look at you and you're so blessed. And it's a reflection of what I've done in your life, in my name, in you. And I don't know about you, but when I read this and I hear God say, I want you to do this, but I'm not just going to let you take me at my word. I want you to test me and watch me do my part. I'm in. I'm like, yes, I, I want to do that. And I'll tell you, my parents, personally, they, they taught me this principle at a very young age and I'm blessed to be, have, have, have done this. I'm blessed to, that my parents taught me this. And I've tithed my whole life. And God has always come through for me. Always. There's been times where it was tight, especially early on in life. But he always came through every single time. It didn't matter if I made $10 or if I made $10,000, which I've never won $10,000 at one time, just so you know. But I've always tithed on it. It didn't matter. It was 10 cents on the dollar. Because God said, bring the whole tenth, and I did. And the reason is because I have more confidence in God than I do myself. I have more confidence in God's resources because the Word says He owns everything <laughs> than I do in my own resources and my own ability. I trust Him. So the first ten goes to God. The second ten in the ten, ten, eighty goes to savings. So after you give God what's His, then we pay ourselves, right? Everybody say amen to that. Amen. We pay ourselves. We save 10%. Now, we all know we need to save. Nobody argues that. But the question is how much or what can or can't I afford? And here's what I got to tell you. You may not be able to save a whole 10% right now, but you can save something. And I guarantee you, I, I just challenge you uh, for maybe a week or two weeks, write down everything you spend 
And this, this is proven like 99% of the time. Write down everything you spend down to the last penny. And I promise you there is some flex in your budget that you didn't know was there. And you're spending some money on some things that you could be saving. That hurts, don't it? But it's true. It is. I remember one time I, I did that exercise and I was so disgusted with myself. <laughs> I was like, you mean to tell me that that amount of money is, and, and you get to the end of the month and you don't even know where it went. You're like, wow, I didn't even know I had that. It's, sometimes it's exciting. I can actually have a plan and stick to this plan. And you know what? I can put a percentage in savings that I didn't know that I had just because I didn't know where it was going. I didn't have a plan in place, right? So you, you may not be able to save the whole 10%, but you may, you're going to be able to save something. So work towards it. In fact, the Bible tells us this in Proverbs 21, verse 20. It says, the wise person, say wise person. The wise person saves for the future, but the foolish person, say foolish person. They spend all they get. The Bible says when you save for the future, you're wise. But it equates spending everything you have to being a fool. Notice how it didn't specify um, spending everything you have on purpose or not. It just says when, when everything comes in, goes out, it says it's foolish. You ever got to the end of the year and saw how much money you made and went, where did all that go? See your tax return and go, Oh my goodness, I had more, way, way more than I thought I did. I don't know where that went. Or maybe you got a gift or maybe a one-time uh, you know, bonus check or something like that. And, and we don't know how it happens, but it just somehow it just gets distributed. It just goes. And it starts out slow, and then it's like a slow fade from there. All of a sudden, we begin to, money just kind of slips through our fingers, and we don't have a clue where it went. You know what solves that? A good plan. Because you're naming every dollar. 10%'s going to God. 10%'s going into savings or whatever percentage you have to start with, but something is going into savings. It's already named. And then what we do is we live off the rest. That's where the 80 comes in. We live off 80%. Now I want you to understand something as we go along. This isn't about the percentages or the numbers. This is a good template. But we're gonna aim for this. And this is gonna give us a good biblical plan. This, is, this 80% is the mortgage. This 80% is uh, the gas pump. It's clothes that you need. It's, it's even vacation. You, you build into that 80% even giving. Maybe you're, you, want to, you feel led to give above the 10% that we already are giving to God, the part that he already commands. And, and we, you feel God leading you to do that, then you give out of that 80%. Maybe it's to, um, there, there's so many different organizations across the world and definitely in America that are doing great things for God. Um, also within that 80% is you, you get a little bit in there and you, you save some and, and you can splurge. How many of you like to splurge? Again, this isn't a financial straitjacket. This is, you know, I've heard pastors say, you know, God doesn't want you to be, you know, well off. Some of the, the best people in the Bible that I know that are God-fearing men were some of the wealthiest. Did you know that? And the reason is because they had good plans in place. God trusted them. They managed it well, and they gave. And, and within this, you're going to find that you're going to have discretionary income to spend. And you're going to be able to splurge a little bit. You're going to be able to, to go to the movie and not you know, pack candy in your pockets, but actually go to the snack bar and, and you know you do it. So don't sit there and act like you don't stuff Twizzlers in there. Um, and we can make all the excuses we want. But the fact is that you're going to be able, I'm kidding just a little bit there, right? Uh, you're going to be able to, to splurge a little bit. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be able to live a little. Some of you may be thinking, you know, 
this whole 10, 10, 80 thing, if you saw my paycheck, you, you would know that there's no way that I can do that. And I get it, but you can start somewhere and you can work towards it. Does everybody grab that? You can start somewhere and God is going to bless your efforts. But you got to pay people what you owe them within that 80%. And, and there's a scripture that we're going to use for that. It's from Romans chapter 13, verse 7. And it says this, pay everyone then what you owe them. Do not go to the movie theater if you can't pay your mortgage. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Do not go to the movie theater if you've got a water bill that's outstanding. And you say, well, they have that cool grace period and they're going to work with me. No, pay your bills. This is the scripture that we're using for that. Pay everyone what you owe them. If you owe any kind of tax, pay it. Show respect and honor to them all. Does everybody grab that? That comes out of the 80. We, we live off of the 80. And again, I want you to understand that this is not so much about the numbers. It's not so much about the percentages as it is about your character. It's about who you are. It's about the fact that my heart says that I want to be able to have a good plan and manage what God has given me so that he can trust me with more. And you're going to find that when you have a good plan, the anxiety tends to leave. You're going to find that you are happier. You're going to find that you feel freer because you're going to see money starting to be saved. Even if it's just a little bit at a time, you're going to start to see it. You're going to start to see results because when your paycheck comes in, you're already having a plan in place and you're already moving towards being financially free. And God's going to see your heart. He's going to see your efforts and he's going to bless it. He will. And you have a plan, you work the plan, you make sure it's God's plan, you pay God first, you honor him first, you pay yourself second, and you discipline yourself to live on the rest. Now, you may have heard a phrase around here if you've been here for a year or more, or maybe you've heard it for the first time, but you've heard the phrase, offering fit for a king. How many of you have heard that? And that's something that the bridge does every single year. And this is your chance that we do at the bridge here once a year to step out in faith and, and decide that we're going to do this thing together. You had an envelope given to you when you walked in. Everyone just kind of look at that for a minute. Can you put it in your hands and just look at it? And this, this is really what this is. This is talking about, you know what? We are going to step out in faith and we are going to give to God what's God's. We're, we're not going to do it like we're, like we're giving, you know, to someone we don't like very much. Or just here, take this little bit and suffice. We're, we're telling God that, you know what, we're going to have a plan, and we're going we're gonna to do financially what we're, we're supposed to do on our side. And then we're going to look, and we're going to plan, and we're going to present God with an offering that's fit for a king. And I just want to tell you, if you've never tithed before, or maybe you've tithed a long time ago, and things got tight, and you stopped, and, 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 and maybe you're kind of wondering if you need to start again, I just want to encourage you, if you're in either of those two groups, let this be a Sunday that you say, you know what, I'm going to tithe. I'm, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to test him, just like he says to do, and I'm going to see if he's not going to be true to his word. And let's just use this, this, this envelope on September 28th and October 1st, that Thursday and Sunday, we at the Goldsboro are going to give. All the campuses are doing this. And we're going to give. And if you've never tithed before, I just want to, I just want to encourage you. And I don't feel bad about saying this because I'm telling you something that's going to open God's hand to bless you more than you have ever been in your life. And sometimes blessing don't always come in the form of money. Did you know that? When we talk about being free, there's all kinds of freedoms that we need in our life that God wants to give. 
but money is so important to us. Let's use this as an opportunity to do that. Maybe you, you, you're already tithing. Maybe you're even living on a plan like this where you're, you're managing your money well. Then what I want you to do is I want you to pray with your family, and I want you to think about what God would want us to give above the tithes. And if you look at this, and if you open it up, no, it's not a Grammy nomination for you and your family. But there is kind of a discussion that you can have with your family in here as you hold hands and as you pray about it. On the other side, there's a, there's a note from Pastor Jim. Please read that. Some great encouragement from our senior pastor. And on, on September 28th and October 1st, we're going to take this step together, okay? And I want you to be thinking about that. I remember when I first started in ministry 15 years ago, I started out as a worship pastor. And we had this this kind of knowing amongst ourselves that Thursday night was rehearsal, and when we came to rehearsal, we were going to give it our all. Man, and I'm telling you what, we did. And there were sacrifices that we had to make. We had to leave families at home for a couple hours on Thursday nights during the week, and there were some, some moms and dads that were at home getting the kids fed by themselves so that, so that we could be at rehearsal. And that was, that was a big sacrifice. We also had to learn music. A lot of people were volunteers, and, and we, we had to put everything we did into it, and that was the heart. We wanted to do everything we could so that when we walked out of that room that night, we could say, God, we've, we've done everything we can. Now take this and use it for your glory. Because we understood that we could do the very best we could on the stage, but that in and of itself was not going to change a life. We knew that we had to have the power of God backing what we did or else it wasn't going to make a difference and all of our efforts would be null and void. And so we knew that when we got here on Thursday nights, we were going to give it our all. We were going to, we were, you know, stress over it sometimes. We were going to heartbreak over it sometimes. We were going to burn our fingers up, try and stay, as long as it took to get it right. So that when we walked out the doors, we prayed and laid it before God and said, take this and use it for your glory because you're a king. What I never wanted to do was walk out of there and say, we did about half of what we could have. Now take it and use it for your glory. You're talking about the king of kings and lord of lords. And time and time again, when we had that attitude and we did our very best, perfection's not the goal. Excellence is the goal. And that's the very best we can with the resources that we've been given. And that's what we did. And when we did that, we laid it before God's feet. And, and we felt good knowing we did everything we could. Take it and use it for your glory. And we watched God do things in people's lives that we could have never done as human beings. And in our finances, it's the same thing. And what we're talking about with offering for a king, I want to be able to put something in this envelope that says, God, I, I have a plan. I've worked the plan. I've, I've discussed this with my family. It's in here. And... We've done everything we could. We have a plan. We've prayed over it, and we're stepping out in faith. And we're going to present this to you, God, and we want you to take it and use it for your glory. Amen? I never want to do something like this and give to God like David said when he said, God, I don't want to give you something that costs me nothing. When I come before you in worship, I want to do everything I can. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go on that, on that golf trip with the buddies because it would, it would mean I'm giving you half of what I could have. This one time, I, I want to come before you with an offering fit for a king. That when I lay this at your feet, God, I, I know you're going to be true to your word because you always are. And I want to do my part and be a good manager of the stuff that you've given me. And I want to lay it before your feet and say, I've done everything I could. Now take this and use it for your glory. This series is largely 
about becoming financially free. And wherever you are on your journey, today's the day to start doing it God's way. Somebody asked the question one time, when uh, is the best time to plant a tree? You know what the answer is? 20 years ago. <laughs> That's the time. So we can be enjoying the shade now, right? You know when the second best day to plant a tree is? Today. Today. And so I want to encourage you, wherever you're at on your journey, to start today. And God says something really cool in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He says, The Lord appointed me to tell the good news to the poor. He has sent me to tell the captives that they are free. And he later said this, If I set you free, then you're free indeed. So many other things in this life have the promise of freedom, but they always come up empty. And when we do it God's way, he's the only one that says, when I set you free, I do it in a way that lasts. And here he's talking about spiritual freedom. He's talking about people that have piled up this moral debt in their lives. And we know what it feels like. It's, it's normally accompanied with guilt and shame. And he's saying that I have come to set you free. And that's why his final words on the cross, do you remember what he said? When his arms were stretched out right before he took his last breath, it is it's finished. Now, that didn't mean I'm getting ready to die. I'm taking my last breath. It's done. What he meant was the debt has been paid. The plan has been fulfilled. What I came to do, I did. It is done. That word there in the Bible, the original word, it's actually an accounting term. Isn't that amazing? A lot of people don't understand that. And what God was saying is you, have a, you had a debt that you could not pay in your life. You had a sin debt that you were, the word says you were born into. You couldn't do away with it. It's not anything that you did on this earth. You were born that way. He said, and I came to pay that debt that you couldn't pay. And because of that, when you believe in me, you are, you're free. So whatever reason you think you came here today, you may have come to hear about, about a good financial plan, and that's good stuff. But the more important thing you need to hear me say today is no matter where you are in your life, you can be free. God wants us to be free. And he paved the way to be able to do that. So when he did it on the cross, he did it in full. He did it forever. He did it permanently. And I don't want us to give back any freedom that God won on the cross, especially by going into financial bondage. Christ wants to set you free. How about let's let him? Huh? Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the resources that you've so graciously poured into our lives. Some of us have some, some of us have a lot, some of us have very little. That's not so much important as it is what are we doing with it? Are we being good managers of what you've given us? So just all over this room, Lord, Lord, your, your word says so plainly that you didn't come to condemn us. So we, we understand by believing in your word that you're not here to condemn us for really messing up with money, because all of us have. We live in America, we've all got something to manage, and there's been times where we've really messed it up. You're not condemning us, God, but we just want to commit to you right now, God, that we want to start being better managers of it. We want to be on a plan. We want to be obedient to your word when it comes to that plan because we want it to be based in your word. Lord, more importantly than that, God, if there's anybody in this room right now that, that needs the freedom in their soul that we talked about, Lord, I, I believe right now that you're, you're pressing on some people's hearts, and I just pray that they respond to you right now in their hearts. Your word says that you, can, you hear hearts. You see us on the inside, and so you can hear. 
in church all over this room, if, if you feel that pressing, I just want to just want to encourage you to not ignore that, but that God's wanting you to make a decision for him today. Before we can ever have a biblical plan, a good plan with our money, we got to make sure that we're straight in our soul. I just want to encourage you right now to respond to that. And as I say this, this prayer, if you could just agree with it, God, I believe that I'm not good in and of myself. I believe that I can't get to heaven by myself. I need you. And I really believe that you came and sacrificed for me and paid the debt that I couldn't pay. You really bled, you really died, and you really rose again to demonstrate your power over death. And because of that, I can be free and be free indeed. I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect. But Lord, help me to wake up each day with a mindset that says, I want to follow you. And I just trust you that you're going to help me make the very best decisions that I can. You're going to lead me. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we say amen together?